Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to look at both ends of the business scale. We'll hear how Cork's colleges are investing in young entrepreneurs, as opposed to just churning out graduates. But first, an in-depth interview with one of Cork's leading businessmen. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. The Red Business Podcast with CompuBee. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuBee.com. And now on Red Business, I want to talk to somebody who has been involved at the highest level of business in Cork for many years. He was the boss man at Borgash Energy. He now is the boss at Amarenko, which is his own company, which is involved in solar power. But he also has his hand in the Port of Cork and a few other companies. John Mullins, that doesn't do your CV justice at all, but you're very welcome to Red Business. Uh, Good morning, Jonathan. Tell me a little bit about how you started, John. When did you wake up one day and say, right, I'm going to be a businessman and this is how I'm going to go about doing it? Look, like anything else, uh, you know, events, my dear man, as somebody said once, um, it just so happened, look, I started life as an engineer and I worked in the ESB, uh, went back and at one stage and did a master's in business, decided, look, uh, if for me to progress in, in business, I had to go off and get an extra qualification. Did that in the Smurf Business School in Dublin. Um, pretty much immediately, I moved to London and worked with PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, as a consultant and, and then um, came home after a number of years and uh, and then started sort of the, the real commercial business side. Um, brought uh, ESBI into Spain, uh, built their largest investment ever, which was the uh, Amor Beata power plant, and then came back. Um, Jim Barry, a fellow Corkman, uh, decided uh, um, that I could do a job in NTR. Went off into NTR. We set up uh, ultimately an ethanol business in the United States. Travelled all over the United States and set up an ethanol business. And that then uh, that business now is on Nasdaq. Uh, and then I got a phone call. I was coming off a, a plane in Pittsburgh one day, and I got a phone call. Would I be interested in Borgash? I said, Look, at 39 years of age, I don't usually give it to those guys. Um, so I decided, Look, I'd go back and, and do the interview. And uh, as I say, an accident happened, I got the job. And um, after that, really, I suppose, I uh, spent five years there. Uh, and then, you know, all state jobs come to an end, by the way, even in politics, right? Mm. And uh, the reality was that I had to think about what I was going to do next. And I saw that solar power was uh, coming uh, really fast and into Europe and, uh, and it will be coming into Ireland as well and set up a company and uh, this is where we are now. And I want to talk about Amarenko in just a little bit because people mightn't be familiar with the brand but in terms of all the leaps that you made there John I know you rattled them off quite quickly but what was the most daunting one of all? Was it going into the state sector and and maybe making that leap out of the private sector and going I wonder will I be able to make the difference that I want to make? Well, actually, quite interestingly, I, 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 what surprised me was that when I went through the interview process, I remember it well, I was up in the Hayfield Manor Hotel here in Cork, and I went in with an agenda. Um, I mean, I had worked in Britain where a lot of gas companies became electricity companies, and electricity companies became gas companies, and the dual fuel offers you have it today, um, I set about going about putting that in place. And, and, and the, the board, or the interview board, basically liked what I had to say. Um, but quite clearly, I was going to go into a, a, an, an organisation which was relatively young from the 1970s in, in Borgash. I mean, we need to remember that. It was only established from the old Cork Gas Company and Dublin Gas Company. Um, but it, it would have been a state company. Uh, but the state company, quite clearly, is a commercial state company. And, and the approach would have been, well, what's the agenda to make it grow? 
Um, they had started an electricity agenda, but needed somebody with electricity background. That's what I had. I had built power plants internationally, done renewables. Uh, so that's exactly what I did inside there. I think they thought I was absolutely mad when I said that we were going to take on the ESB. Uh, we did, and we did it successfully. Um, in the first year, we uh, took in over a half a million customers. And it's viciously competitive, that market. And, and you really started that competition because they had a monopoly. And, and you shook it up. I mean, was that was there a sense of personal satisfaction when you saw that, when you saw prices coming down, you saw people willing to abandon, effectively, the habit of a lifetime? Well, the, the ironic thing is that all the guys on the far side were my former colleagues in ESB. So um, you know, the reality is that uh, uh, you had to set a new agenda. I, I think, you know, there was, I always say there was a lucky general at the time, because I remember it was, in, it, was, it was in February, and we were just uh, right in the, the, the cutting edge of the recession. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd come in in, in uh, 07, and you could see, um, you know, bad debts were rising. You could I, see I, I, I remember doorstepping you uh, on more than one occasion when there mm. were bad stories yeah. about Borgash Energy, yeah. uh, and you haven't to fend them off, so you were dealing with a lot of negativity there as well. I, I look, I remember actually, God rest him, Dave McCarthy in, uh, up in the north side, and I remember talking to him about, look, I had an agenda about putting um, free prepaid meters uh, into uh, homes where there were difficulties. There was no policy on that. And I set about making sure there was that policy, probably because I grew up in, in, in the area that Dave served. Right? I knew I understood that people were struggling. Uh, and, and that was the social aspect of the job you had to do. Right? Um, you don't get any plaudits for that, but ultimately you have to ensure that you give people every opportunity to be able to pay their bills in as economic way as possible. Uh, and also that they had the real opportunity of avoiding disconnection, which is a policy here in Ireland. Then, as you say, all good things come to an end and all state jobs like that come to an end. When you left, when you transitioned out of Borgash, did you find yourself, like most people who leave a job, a little little bit bereft, a little bit of a drift that creeps in going, well, what am I going to do next? Well, I suppose, you know, like anything else, and I'd say if you talk to a, a former ministers or people who have taken any type of role in life at a senior level, they, they wake up on, on, on the 1st of January uh, when they finish their contract and there's no infrastructure around them. Um, you know, you don't, have a, you don't have a PA anymore. You don't have somebody to take care of your diary. Uh, there you are, all you've left you. Uh, you know, I remember the car had to be handed back. Um, I had to go up to the airport and hire a Skoda. Uh, for six weeks before I could get a car. Um, I had to buy a car myself, you know. Um, I had to go off and start at the, at the, at the very base again and try and build up something. Um, um, and <clears throat> I had to go out and ask people to, to support that. And, and, and the key word in all of this is just perseverance. Yeah. And if you feel, you know, because there were, there were, as I said to people previously at presentations, there were plenty of walks down Garyville Beach wondering exactly what was going to happen and, next. And, and out of those... Those dark moments where you have your vision, John, you know mm. you can do it, you know there's a purpose to it, but those dark moments, those, you know, walks down Gary Vaux Beach, how, how did you cope with them and go, maybe I am wrong, maybe this isn't how I'm going to make money? Well, I mean, you just, you just keep on trying, keep on knocking on doors. I mean, if you don't keep on knocking on doors and persevere, you're just not going to get there. Simple as that, no matter how capable you are. Um, it's no different in the sporting world, it's no different in politics, it's no different in business or any other, um, you know, gambit. Um, you just have to keep on knocking on the door. Um, fortunately, um, uh, I, my chairman, uh, who sits on the board of the Tyndall with me here in Cork, um, um, you know, liked what I was doing. And uh, he decided, look, uh, would you build one for me in France? 
So we built him a solar farm and we got paid for that. And then we built another one. And then all of a sudden we went out and had more people interested and got more money into the business. And clearly as we were doing this, uh, you have to dilute your stake in the company. But that's what you have to do. Um, if, you're, if you're, you know, at this stage we've done from that one plant three years ago, we've now probably on our 20th. Uh, in France. Uh, we have about 75 million worth of construction going on down there at the moment. Our team has gone from four people to about 48, uh, right across London, Dublin, Cork, and a place called Gaillac near Toulouse. And uh, we're, we're now going into the wind sector. Um, so it's, a, it's been a journey. But and, and, uh, would you consider the, the idea of... of solar a success at this point because you know we don't have that many solar farms people are still a little bit cool on the technology let me put it that way is is this inevitable is this what's going to happen it's just we have to come around to the idea well ironically my, my final year project in electrical engineering was uh, solar power um, um, looking at solar and I remember Jerry Rickson the former president of UCC going back a couple of presidents now was uh, was is still very much uh, believes that solar is, is, is where we're going. If I told you that um, in China, um, they install more power every year of a solar nature than we have on this island today, that gives you a sense of the scale of where solar is at. And has the technology improved an awful lot? The idea, that, like everyone would have said, that you can't generate enough, the sun doesn't shine very much in this country. Are you overcoming all those hurdles? Well, the, the real issue is how expensive is it? Uh, it's become a lot cheaper. So therefore, the cost per unit is actually coming down. Um, I would say to you, if it was three, four, five years ago, yeah, you would say it was extremely marginal that you could go and put solar in Ireland. It's now changed. Uh, solar now actually is very relevant in practically all markets across Europe, in the United States. Um, and as the price gets lower, the validity of the technology can go northwards on the globe or southwards on the globe. Mm. And that's because it, it needs lesser radiation uh, to to basically produce uh, doesn't need yeah. the sun to be shining. As well, it. no, I mean in in essence, you know, we produce sugar beet in this part in this part of the world. Sugar beet needs sunlight. Sunlight creates glucose that creates sugar. It's no different for solar power. And the reality is that uh, we will see these solar farms. We have solar farms already in Northern Ireland. The British government supported. Um, uh, and by the way, it's two hundred hours less of sunlight in Belfast than it is in Cork. So, for me, um, even in Aberdeen, which is, you know, you can see the Northern Lights in the wintertime, um, they, uh, they have solar. Um, solar is, is going to become uh, a more dominating electricity technology in the future. And Elon Musk and others are, uh, you know, believe the same. And, and that's, again, indulge a personal <coughs> question rather than, than a business one. Is it going to be the idea of the solar farm whereby you have loads of cells on one farm are, are we going to have these on the roof of our houses in years to come well i i if i said to you that in 20 years from now um when and hopefully both of us are not in nursing homes indeed um that what we will see is that um each house uh each location a commercial location could very well be a user and a producer of electricity so what that means is that your house, Jonathan, will, could have you know four to six panels on its roof. You'll have a battery in your utility room, just like you have a boiler now. Uh, that battery will decide automatically, without your intervention, whether uh, it's going to be producing power for you 
or producing power for the grid. And all of those signals will be sent to that battery um, uh, automatically by a central system that says we need power or you need to take power based on price. And it means nothing to me, I just sit there and turn the lights on. You just, you just basically have, you just have this installed yeah. and it's going to be just an automated process that is going to be run by a centralised, um, uh, you know, big data um, processor, and, and, and that's the way of the future. What's the value of this industry now, John? What would you estimate of that? Oh, it's the biggest uh, power industry in the world now. It's, uh, it's just a, probably just a head of wind. Um, uh, you're probably looking at, I would say last year, I think, renewable investment was about $300 billion dollars. And I would say solar probably is in the region of about 130 billion of that. It's a lot of money. And I suppose it's only fair that we get a little piece of it here in Ireland as well. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about other things. As mm. You have fingers in many other pies. Uh, Port of Cork is a big one. All moving from close to where we are now in the city centre down to Ringeskiddy over time. <coughs> Great hope in the future for that. But there's a big cloud hanging over all of this, which is Brexit. Um, how worried about Brexit are you, John, and how do you think it's going to impact on all that great potential that you've identified for the port and for the city? There is as much potential out of Cork as there is a negativity, in my view, uh, as a result of Brexit. Now, in saying that, you know, I get a sense that we may see a softer Brexit than where things started. And I think the Labour Party's move over the, in Britain over the last number of weeks actually is quite instructive. And I think uh, if that was tested in the future, uh, certainly I think um, uh, we may see we may see um, uh, a, 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 a slower, less impactful Brexit than than, uh, than we're now facing at the moment. Very much to do about nothing, potentially. We don't know. It depends if, if Corbyn holds the line or whether Theresa May decides that it's not the hard Brexit she's been pursuing isn't the best option. In general, John, Cork appears to be doing well. You know, we're, we're seeing more cranes on the horizon, which obviously is a good benchmark of how things mm -hmm. are progressing. Uh, and there's employment coming in. What's the biggest challenge for Cork right now uh, in terms of economic growth? The, the last census was the, the first census in three where we saw um, an increase in population in the city, which is to be welcomed. Um, we need an expanded city to uh, be able to show, um, you know, that we're a larger economic region as we go forward. Um, I think, you know, city regions sort of dominate now the economics of, of, of Europe and the economics of the world, and I think we, we just need to ensure um, that there there is a, an expanding city, uh, one where uh, we have the proper level of infrastructure uh, for immigrants, because the reality here is that if you look at growth rate, economic growth rates in the country, even at three, four, five percent, uh, and we have a national unemployment level of six point one, six point two percent, where where are the people going to come from to keep that growth rate going, and where are they going to live? And for me, they're the most fundamental questions that we have in Ireland, but we have really fundamental questions here in Cork as well to answer. That's why um, we're presenting a plan uh, on Tivoli. So when we move the container port out of Tivoli, we hope to have a brand new village within the city, uh, which could take 3,000 to 4,000 dwellings and has all the infrastructure, including rail and bus uh, and all of the uh, yeah, utility infrastructure. Mm. So a completely different vista on that side of the city as you're driving. Ab in. Absolutely, and 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 certainly um, uh, a real expansion in the inner north side, if you want to put it that way. 
And looking across the river then, and just to finish up, the other side of it, which you've been involved in as well, mm. Parky Cueve. Mm. One hell of a slog, I'd say, John. You were the chairman of the, that development group, uh, but when it opened, I remember speaking to you around the time, mm. the pride you had in it, mm. now that you've seen it actually stage matches, it's about to start hosting events. Was it worthwhile? Um, I, I, I think when, when, uh, when the GA get a stadium, which has been supported to the extent that it has been supported and in terms of financially now, um, 30 million from uh, government, uh, 20 million from the central GEA, um, 10, 10 million of the county board's old money, and then the Munster Council you know, coming in for about uh, 3.25 million. It was a great start in terms of the development of a stadium to have that money. You know, there's many cities in the world, by the way, that have zero money, mm. uh, you know, looking at, at their stadium. Um, clearly the sale of premium tickets and also then the franchising and also the pouring rights and all of these things essentially help. Ed Sheeran concert next year for three days. I mean, I was here, Jonathan, you remember Michael Jackson I that weekend. Well. I, you couldn't walk down Patrick Street yeah. with the crowds, right? I'm just wondering what it's going to be like when Ed Sheeran comes to town. We're going to have 140,000 concert revelers in and around the town. Uh, for three days solid. Um, that for me is the most important thing because the economic benefit of what the GA have, has done is going to be phenomenal and we're already seeing it. There are people employed down in Parky Kiev now daily. There are barbecues being held as I understand. There's conferences. Musgraves I think had all of their retailers in from Centra there um, this week. Um, so all of that now is a fantastic facility that's just not all about hurling or football it's actually got a lot more dimensions to it so um yeah i think uh, hopefully we might see more concerts next year a bit more development we certainly would encourage uh parky Keeve to be used as the uh, location for the all Ireland quarterfinals permanently just putting it out there absolutely <laughs> um uh, and again that's great for cork businesses i mean you know a, a publican not far from where you grew up said to me he said um he said john do you realize what an ed sheeran concert would do for my business and I said, what would it do? He said, um, it would be equivalent, one day of Ed Sheeran would be equivalent to three weeks of turnover. Just one day? One day. Mm. And it'll happen. And it'll happen three times next year, if not a little bit more as well. Uh, John Mullins, it's been great talking to you. The best of luck with Amarenko and yes, all sir. your other concerns. Thanks for joining us in Red Business. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate it. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuB.com. So John Bullins has been in business quite a long time, as you would have gathered from that. But what about the other end of the spectrum, the people who are starting out now? I mentioned previously how universities and ITs treat business very differently to even when I went to college 20 years ago and that there is more of an entrepreneurial spirit than ever before. So we're going to talk about the business of young people. And with me now in studio to go through all of that, we have Kevin and Joe who are from Frankly Nuts, which is a weekly podcast. Uh, gentlemen, you're very welcome. Thanks very much, Jonathan. And we also have Ross O'Halloran, who his company is called Safety Solutions. Is that right, Ross? Yeah, that's it. Very good. And also um, Adrian Rogers, who's the head of enterprise at the Cork City Local Enterprise Office. Adrian, how are you? I'm good, Jonathan. Thanks very much. It's great to have you all. Thank you very much for coming in. And I'm going to begin with the businesses and find out what they do. Frankly Nuts, um, is that a description of your general mental being, uh, Kevin and Joe, <laughs> or how would you describe it? Um, I suppose, like the frankly, is the the kind of open, honest part of the conversation, and then the nuts would be the kind of banter and the kind of fun we bring to mm. it. 
we want to kind of bring it in loose and lively, I suppose, like a loose and lively podcast kind of a thing. Like we don't take oh, ourselves oh, too oh, seriously. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's a yeah. rival podcast. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to stop it. We can't have rival podcasts. We don't consider you a competitor. No, no, no. I, I, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or an insult. So I'm going to gloss over. So tell us, who, who do you talk to and where did you come up with the idea? Um, I suppose we, we would have both been very interested in podcasts and stuff. We both um, are in college together in CIT in business and um, every morning and stuff throughout last year we would come in and say did mm. you see Joe Rogan's podcast last night or the True Geordie podcast last night and then we were kind of thinking like jeez why don't we go for our yeah. own like there's nothing really in Cork like this I know you've your own on here John <laughs> like, with, um, again again <laughs> treading the line nothing like two young people like you know oh, interviewing yeah, that's an even worse <laughs> insult I'm not even young anymore okay we're, we're going to move on so who do you talk to so our first guests were Shawnee McGuire of formerly of Cork City but now Preston North End yep. and Kevin O'Connor so they were our first guests mm-hmm. so it was massive for us to get to them because they were a hot topic at the time and then our second podcast was with Dan Sweeney so he's a local entrepreneur he owns Dan Sweeney Health and Fitness and the Palette Cafe and we've had Jason Moore the Fuckleby Donuts mm. Nathan Adams who's a local model and he's an entrepreneur as well owns his own agency and recently we just did one with Paul Mack so he's Ireland's best barber and we also had Jenny O'Leary. I, sorry, I have to say, at least one of you doesn't need yeah, the services sure of yeah, Ireland's yeah. best barber. For that. The <laughs> <laughs> could you do, do beards? Huh? Does do I do beard? beards? No, could he have oh, done he the does beard? beards? He yeah, does yeah, beards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mine doesn't need any touching, John. <laughs> and that's, when, you're, when you're in the middle of all of this, um, it, it's kind of, look, speaking for someone who does a podcast, it's, a, it's an unknown world because mm. everything changes very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's good one week is not good the next week. I mean, how are you, how are you coping with that? Because you're trying to make money out of this eventually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the hope. Um, I don't know, I suppose it's, it's very interesting. Like We're just kind of finding our feet, I suppose, as we go at the moment. We've got nine done, I think. Nine done, yeah. Um, we launched nine weeks, really. Like. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're kind of finding our feet as we go. Like We're we're kind of, I suppose, we've never had any uh, experience with interviewing people or anything in the past, Like, but I suppose we're, we're just trying to fake it till we make it really. I suppose, <laughs> like, you know? well, that's I'm doing it for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't been caught yet. Um, And, and you're doing it out in the Rubicon Centre out in CIT. Yeah. So you're both CIT graduates, students? Students, yeah. So we're both in fourth year business management at the minute. So we're in our final year. So is this a distraction to the business management as well? That, you know, that's how that's how these careers start, lads. I hate to break it to you. That yeah, you like we're Sidelined actually, where you could have actually made money. Yeah, we're, yeah. Uh, we're missing class this morning to be here. But um, <laughs> I suppose it kind of goes hand in hand, really, because we're both interested in marketing and stuff yeah. as well. And, you know, you have a big digital marketing aspect to it. So, so um, okay, yeah, cool. Very good. Hand. Well, let, let's bring in Ross O'Halloran. Um, uh, Ross, a company very much on the other end of the spectrum altogether. Your safety solutions. Tell me a little bit about what you're about. Um, so... Was when I was coming up with um, a product for the Student Inc. program, um, I had a look at problems in my own life and in everyday, what was going on in society and everything. And my own grandmother um, was driving down the road and she had a stroke at the wheel and she was pulled in. When she was driving? Yeah, while she was driving, yeah. She was there for two hours before anyone ever came to her. Now, thankfully, she was okay, but I was saying there should be a product on the market that tends to the needs that's there for the elder people, elderly people that drive. Um, so I came up with the Peace of Mind Swift Signal Response Unit. So basically a panic button for our vehicles. So is it in, in, in the car? It's in the car, yeah. It's retrofitted. So like you'll be able to buy it off the shelf now, like maybe down in Halfords or something like that. That's the aim anyway. And how does it connect back to base? Is it is it on a GSM or...? It's the, GS, it's the 2G GSM network. So uh, when the unit's engaged, um, instantaneous two-way talk... Um, is engaged with your two-way talk contact so that could be like 
uh, your loved one or the emergency services. Um, as well as that, then there's a text message sent to a set list of contacts that are pre-coded into the device. So this would be um, your loved ones, anyone who you might want to know. Where so it's a lot of people will have home alarms that will do that. If yeah. the alarm goes off, it'll text you, it'll text your neighbour, yeah. it'll text that's, your father-in-law. That's or as well, but this is specific now to vehicles because there's yeah. nothing there specific to vehicles because someone who might need it at home, they'd have the telephone to ring. But if you're in the car and you have a stroke in the car, there's no one there, you might be driving on your own, you know. So that's what, where I came up with it. It's anyway. peace of mind as well, isn't it? Because a lot yeah, of people... peace of mind, that's the name of the company, is Peace of Mind Safety Solutions. Is it? Okay. Yeah. And, and I'd imagine it's very similar to the peace of mind that you get from having the bracelet around your neck if you're in the exactly, house. A lot yeah. of elderly people have Yeah, it. yeah, exactly, yeah. So that's what we aim to instill with it. We aim to instill confidence and peace of mind in the user, as well as the user's loved ones. Because half the time, it's kind of the loved ones are saying, geez, I'm worried about her driving on her own or I'm driving on her own worried about him driving on his own, you know. So that's what we aim to do is in Silicon. So at what stage in development is it? Have you got prototypes? Have you actually gone to market with it yet? Um, no, well, I went into Rubicon with just an idea and it was great because with the funding I received from the local enterprise office and the office space and the networking inside, I was able to team up with um, a colleague of mine, Paul Keneally, who was able to throw together a rapid prototype. So I have the first prototype ready. Um, I'm waiting for, my next, for funding to come through for my next prototype. I can move on with the business then. Okay, so in other words, it's it's fairly advanced at yeah, that yeah. point. Yeah, well, you, you know you know what you want to do. We're nearly finished. We have two more prototypes to finish the prototyping stage, and then we can move on to C testing that kind of thing. Okay, uh, Adrian Rogers, it's look, it's great to see such enthusiasm. I, I'm going to sound like an old lad here, but enthusiasm <laughs> from young people uh, because, yeah, yeah. and it comes back to the point I made at the start here that when I went to college, the attitude was we've educated now, shag off. Whereas now. The lads all here are, are in the Rubicon and, and we know that there's the Ignite programme in UCC which does something very yep. similar. It's great to see, isn't it? It's fantastic. And I suppose what's great about this is we're bringing the elements of education, innovation and youth together under the one roof. Um, and CIT's programme, Student Inc, has been fantastic. Um, it's grown from strength to strength every year, really, Jonathan, over the last kind of five, six years. And I suppose to see the likes of the lads here from Frankly Nuts, who bring a bit of fun to the whole thing, <laughs> is fantastic. And also having Ross, who, by the way, is only a first year student. You're so, only a first year. I mean, yeah, we have I way see. to go here yet, you know. So it's fantastic. It, like, they wouldn't be doing this thing if they didn't have the supports in CIT and the support the local enterprise office. And tell us a bit about more, about, tell us a little bit more about how the, how the Leo can get involved here. Because I think yeah. of the Leo, I think of companies that are, you know, out lads like yeah. myself setting up. I mean, it does it does affect all <laughs> various <laughs> age groups. I know, I'm, well, I'm, actually, I'm understanding myself here. The local enterprise office has a, has a range of initiatives that are targeted at education as well because that's part of our remit to drive the awareness and the promotion of entrepreneurship. So we have second level uh, programmes that are aimed at um, students, usually in transition year. And then we have um, the third level programmes such as uh, UCC Ignite, Student Inc., and we have Ireland's Best Young Entrepreneur Competition. Um, so I'd encourage anybody out there who's under the age of 35 to apply for Ireland's Best Young Entrepreneur. It's a great idea and it gives people an opportunity to immerse themselves in a boot camp, which is fully supported by the local enterprise. And it's offices. all, it's kind of, and look, these guys are ripe for that. They're in the learning phase of their lives. So, I mean, absolutely. they're going to absorb it like a sponge yeah, right now. Absolutely. And that's the whole point. The younger the we can actually engage with people, and get the whole message about entrepreneurship as being an option for life as mm. opposed to taking a job 
the better off. You're right. The they're they're more be. easily corruptible when they're uh, younger. I think that's <laughs> probably the best description <laughs> to put on Shh, it. Don't tell them that. <laughs> um, I just want to ask you, who would be, uh, and, and Kevin and Joe, I'll come back to you on this, who would be, you know, a, a, a role model for you guys in terms of entrepreneurship? I've seen somebody who's, got, who's generated their own business, created their own look. Who would you look to? Mm. You still have to answer it. This is, this is what you do to other people, so it's only fair. I suppose as cringy as it is, like um, my dad has his own business, so I suppose I'd look to him and he's created something and he's gone out on his own and he's his own boss and I suppose that's something that I's, I've always wanted to do as well. Like. So there was always a little bit of it in the family? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can look to his dad as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mine would be a bit further afield. I mentioned already, it's Joe Rogan, like he has his own podcast, he's one of the number... One of the top podcasts in the world, like, and he's a UFC commentator and all that, like, and he's just got a massive profile, and I just idolise him to be fair, like, so. Ross, who would you look to? Jeez, it'd have to be Steve Jobs, I'd say. Definitely Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah. just just because of the. Just because I saw his movies, and he seems like a you know, stand up guy, and he's a good story, like, mind <laughs> him, you know. He came to Cork a lot as well. He did, yeah, he came to Cork, yeah. yeah so he, was he was big. Uh, Adrian, for you, I mean, do you have an entrepreneur that you hold up above everybody else? Well, I suppose to be fair, you, you've mentioned John Mullins. Uh, you know, John has actually done an awful lot for Cork. Um, and I think as an entrepreneur, um, he's a great example for actually Cork people. Sometimes I don't think we need to look for international, um, you know, uh, mentors or guidance. I think we, we have them at a local level. Yeah. So. And, they, and the good thing is they're very accessible and they, they do and they give offer back. encouragement they and they do back. give back, which is, yeah. I don't know if that's a uniquely Cork thing or not, but it, yeah. it, there is that pool there that can be drawn upon. Just to finish up, lads, where, where does this go? Um, like Ross, in your first year, you've come up with your first product. You'll probably be reinventing the wheel by the time you finish. But yeah. uh, like, where do you see this going? Um, well, with this product, there's it's because it's an electronic product there's a lot to do with it you know I can't just like come up with it in the morning and throw it on the shelf it needs to be CE tested it needs to be approved CE that's European standard isn't yeah, it? Yeah yeah so my plan is just to keep working at it while I'm at college get as much funding together as I can keep moving with it and then by the time I finish college I'll hopefully have it set up so I'll be leaving with a degree in one hand and a business in the other and that, that's kind of my dream with it Okay and that's not a bad dream to have yeah. Kevin and Joe Lads, where do you see this going? So I suppose at the moment we're kind of within the region in Cork, like, and we want to move it national and international, and we'd love to kind of kid out a van yeah. and make it very mobile and wacky, and we'll say go on big road trips and do podcasts along the way, like Scooby Doo. Yeah, sure. sure yeah. Yeah, that's the dream. So like, if, if there's anybody out there who wants to hook us up with a van or anything, Just get we're open to, us. to it. <laughs> very good. Well, look, we wish you the very best. Look, where can people listen to, after they listen to this podcast? Oh, obviously, course, yeah, yeah. where can people hear <laughs> Frankly Nuts? Uh, I suppose they can catch us on YouTube for the video version of the podcast. So it's just frankly not just search that on YouTube and you'll catch all of them. And you can get it on audio versions of iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search. Frankly Perfect. Not Very good. Well. And uh, Ross, just in case, uh, you know, obviously you're not to market yet. So I'm a good bit away now. We just have to watch this space, is it? Yeah, yeah. Watch this space. Well, that had me on Facebook. I <laughs> there you are. Look, as I said, everyone likes to now follow on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, yeah. We'll leave it there. Uh, Ross O'Halloran from Safety Solutions, Kevin and Joe from Frankly Nuts, and Adrian Rogers with the Cork Leo. Thank you very much for joining us Thanks on Red Business. Thanks very much, Jonathan. My thanks to all my guests and to Neave Hennessy for helping put it all together. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. We'll catch you on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuB.com.